Hello and welcome to Money Under Your Mattress. This is a podcast where I chat with freelancers, business owners and self-employed people on the realities of running their businesses. My wonderful guests share their honest experiences, the highs and lows and any advice they've picked up along the way. I hope the conversations give you some useful tips and that you enjoy listening. Today I'm joined by Svetlana, who is a freelance dance artist. So welcome Svetlana. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome and thank you for joining me. So I thought to get us started, you could take us back. How did you get into dancing? I started dancing when I was six. I was quite a hyper child and I couldn't sit still. I was a fidgeter. I couldn't listen. I couldn't wait. I couldn't do anything so hypermobile, hyperactive. And uh, to get myself into the nice sort of speed of life (laughs) and, you know, kind of exert your energy. My parents um, allowed me to audition for uh, a dance conservatory, conservatoire. Okay. And um, I uh, started at six and by, by 11, I already had assistant job, which was really nice in a summer camp where I made some money pocket money it wasn't much it wasn't even legal but uh, (laughs) I was born in Russia so there are there were things you can sort of follow and not follow maybe still are okay (laughs) as you can imagine but yeah that led to some pocket money which was great and also motivated me to learn more because obviously reward you know for your um, efforts is always good okay (laughs) and and what other sort of jobs or what other aspects of pocket money were you raising when you were a child? I definitely had that spirit of putting more for myself and okay. uh, making, multiplying money. And it was um, where I'm from is the border with China. Okay. So uh, a lot of times you could go to China or uh, Chinese people could come and sell things, little toys, you know, jumpy rubber balls in their market. So what I was um, often doing, going browsing little items, buying maybe 10 of little rubber balls and then uh, selling them at my parents' shop. They, at that time, had a shop and I would um, think, how much can I actually charge for this? So I went and I spent this many hours. I spent this much money. How much? 50%? And, you know, I'm not the one known for the numbers. If anything, I think I'm probably, if there is a thing like that, I have fear for numbers and I'm not great, but since my parents were counting money always, you know, and it wasn't easy, I kind of made me realize that money has to be multiplied rather than, you know, in terms of how much life cost and cost of living, it's better, you know, you're going to lose it, (laughs) but you need to multiply to kind of pocket it a bit and save a little bit, which is something I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm still struggling to do. Right. Okay. (laughs) But it's a good lesson to learn when you're young as well. Yeah. I think. And and we'll talk about that a little later on around the the money side of things. How do you think your entrepreneurial flair as a child then fed into you becoming a freelancer? And you've covered all sorts of areas when you've been freelancing. You've been modelling, you've had extra roles, you've got your dance business. So how do you think that entrepreneurial flair fed into you being a freelancer? I think it doesn't go away. It's in you if you are that person. And it is quite exciting. What I am, definitely, I'm not a boring person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, I'm not afraid to say that. Maybe more on a crazier side, but I'm, I like the exciting part of making money. 
of multiplying. And actually, I do appreciate the failure as well and losing money, the risks with it. So I think it fed into many of my professions and the jobs I've taken in, you know, I'm 40 now. So if I worked since I was 11, quite a lot of work experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they mostly were all of them were well paid or uh, good decisions. But, um, you know, I think that spirit is still there. There is the hope for it's going to be better. It's going to be all right. Let's why not try that. You know, I am an excitable person. I think if you are an entrepreneur, you would definitely need to hope and have that in you. The positivity, the positivity and the energy and... And the energy, that's another thing. And luckily, I don't lack that. <laughs> And t- talk to us about when you first went self-employed. Why did you go self-employed? Did you have a grand plan? I never had a grand plan. It just happened. First, I went self-employed. I think I had a number of promo jobs as well before I even, you know, they're not related to dance or any other hobbies. They were just um, jobs uh, back in Russia. Uh, I went to university and as an extra um, so that's so you're an extra in films. Movies. That's not in Russia. That was okay. um, like a promo job where I think my first promo job was. Um, I'm not quite sure whether it was self-employed or whether I paid tax for it. Don't tell anyone that. But <laughs> you know, that's kind of being a full-time student. You know how it is. It's yeah. overwhelming, but also it's expensive because of living expenses, books, and other expenses, and. Um, I think uh, I was not often uh, the A student uh, to get studentship. Right. But uh, so I had to pick up some things. And um, my first promo job was for a soy drink and it was disgusting. And I realized I have this amazing selling selling skill in me. Even though you didn't like the product. I hated the product. (laughs) And I remember they allowed us to take cartons of this different kind of milk, flavored milk, and it was disgusting. And my parents were like, please don't bring that. (laughs) home but because because it was allowed I thought you know what they're paying me but maybe I'll use it maybe I'm not but I think the the interesting thing it was yeah then I realized at the age of 18 that I actually can sell anything unless it's my own thing and that's when when I I think I had to realize that I need a little bit more help from other professionals because when you talk about yourself or your skills or uh, your niche, whatever it is you're doing, it's much more harder because you're so connected to that. Yeah, and we're probably quite modest or shy about ourselves. And honest as well. And I mean, I wasn't lying that the drink was unhealthy. (laughs) It's just, yeah, I just realized that I can approach anybody and offer a taster. If it's a free thing. Yeah. And they eventually will will buy it. So it's like, so that's one of those um, interesting, I don't know, experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so have there been any role, so we'll talk about your dance business in just a moment, but when you moved to London and you were modeling, had extra roles, were there self-employed roles that you had that were a bit closer to your heart or, um, you know, things that you really enjoyed? Absolutely. Anything dance related was really closer to my heart. Or if I'm, you know, some some kind of interest, like um, I was in a commercial for Bailey's Christmas commercial and it was dance commercial. And even though it was about, I would 
I want to say about 150 of dancers, only royal opera dancers were featured. Right. It was a dance fight and it was ballet, but we all were there. And it's definitely when it was dance commercial, it was something I would be attracted to because staging my people, the community, um, you know, all of this connective things which make you feel at home. <laughs> Although um, I think any extra jobs were also, they have perks like meeting famous people, you know, getting paid, <laughs> having a fun time, having fun time, free food, you know, and very early starts and late finishes <laughs> as well. I don't know if they are pros or cons, but it depends. You know, when you are um, either single or don't have kids, that's acceptable and that's fun as well. You know, maybe not every day, but... So so those sort of roles were more of a way for you to make some money. It worked on your terms and sort of it saw you through a period. And then you saw this opportunity to start, set up, grow, evolve your dance business. And you've talked to me about teaching professionals to dance mums, to drop and dance, to tiny steps. There's lots of sub areas of your business. So yeah. <laughs> talk to us about how the first dance business came about and then how it's evolved I mean just maybe realize talking to you I realizing that I always wanted to have a business but it just evolved because something to be some having something which is on your terms is really important when you become a parent as well okay when I taught semi-professionals or professionals or anybody who was higher than an open level dancer or beginner um I could obviously provide much more time for those people and that would require my prep work as well investment in time at home and other things so that quite quickly disappeared after becoming a parent because uh, you're 100% dedicated to your children your home the routine they're having uh, and you in then minus 100% dedicated to yourself or other people especially the first year of their life so I think naturally you progress, your life readjusts in a huge way when you become a parent. And then um, if you don't have that support behind like grandparents or village raising your children, you know, like yeah. <laughs> sometimes read the, in the book and in the books and you're like, what? <laughs> who, who raised my children? Like I raised my own child with my husband <laughs> and uh, nannies or <laughs> holiday clubs, you know, it's different. You just have to pull back, readjust, reevaluate, and just see what works. And it just transforms automatically. And you sometimes give up, you know, and pause for a bit. And I think in my case, I just, there's always that passion to teach. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. Since I was uh, a baby in the kindergarten, and my mom loved this story. And I don't know if I shared with you before, but it's one of those things when, um, Apparently, I was two, I think, but I was an early walker and obviously... You could move. I could move. <laughs> obviously, entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial yeah. since the, you know, nappies time. And I was playing with kids and cue them up to the loo and sit them on the porties and play with them, like educate them or play other way. And when I was ill one week, I came back and... All the teachers said, oh my gosh, we're so happy Svetlana is back because we just cannot manage this. We have so many nappies changes. And, you know, ages ago, yeah. you're talking about 38 years ago in Russia, it was probably not 
uh, in Pampas, you know, yeah. <laughs> most definitely. Like, it's really hard work. We're really pleased that we have a uh, teaching assistant here. So I think, you know, for me, teaching is is a second nature. Yeah. And dancing is maybe the first, I don't know. And, um, yeah, it evolves uh, and it, de- it depends on demands of my life. Right. And now, just now, when my daughter is turning nine in September, it's sort of, I'm paying attention more to myself and to what Svetlana is actually wanting. But before this, it's always what is on demand? What is my family's demand? How can I juggle all this? Can I fit something extra? So it's, it's a little bit touch and go, isn't it? <laughs> but I think it's a compromise and the price you have to pay if you want to have a family and, a self, and have um, a business as well. You have to make it as balanced as you can. So with dance mums and drop and dance and tiny steps, were they dance businesses that sort of fitted with this stage of life you were at and your children were at? Or was that what your customers were telling you they needed? How did that sort of... So the dance mum started when Amaya was eight months old, so my first child. And um, it's a really good question because um, I would never think of them that I would teach non-dancers at that point. Uh, when I became a, uh, a mum, I was still being a little bit um, unrealistic. Right. And I was coming to ballet classes or leading, trying to lead my own classes with uh, my daughter being strapped to me. Okay. So continuing, you know, to kind of being in the same set. Um, I almost felt like at some point I felt so overwhelmed that I just couldn't take it anymore because I was not accepting the reality at all that actually she's tired, I'm exhausted. You know, I'm still trying to teach the same level of, I was messing up. And right. I realized that actually I just have to indulge and enjoy this time, try to enjoy this time because I can't be in denial any longer. It was a really hard time actually because I think not many um, first-time parents realize that it's really hard way uh, it's just a hard life to transition your mentality to being a parent and to stop everything you love and you've been doing for so long. You know, I, I gave birth when I was uh, 20, oh, 32. So that's, uh, you know, and some of, um, some of the moms I teach now, they are later moms as well. They have whole careers in front of them, just like I had, and they don't want to give up. But then suddenly you have to. So um, I took a pause uh, for a few months and sitting eating cakes and drinking coffees and getting a little bit bigger with each cup. Uh-huh. <laughs> slice. Uh, in front of, you know, together with uh, probably about six other moms, we had this chat about jobs and how much we miss it. And one of them uh, said, why don't you just do this um, class for us and we'll pay you money. And um, and we, we need to move, you know, it's all nursery rhymes. It's really boring. And so it was a lot of a lot of objectives to this. And I thought, actually, I can do this. I can try. So I did a pilot locally and advertised at the local church where I would go with my daughter for like a coffee, morning coffee. They supported me uh, and they were great. Um, uh, it was a coffee pot in Bristol in the Bishopsworth. So they were really, really nice about this as well. So I had maybe six moms, and I've called it dance moms. Okay. And um, I totally failed the first two girls because I came with the realization that I'm going to bring the dance class, the dance class I know how to teach, 
and see how it goes with my child, with their children. I've, um, you know, created playlists. I did the same way, preparation, the same way I would do for a regular class. And then I shortly realized that because I, I said, could you please be open and tell me what's not working, what you enjoy more, what you would like more, what you would like less. And so uh, they felt a little bit overwhelmed and stressed because, you know, I was asking quite a lot of them. So essentially you've taken a class that's designed for professionals. <laughs> well, exactly. To like a yeah. group of ladies who have recently had a baby, who aren't dancers and yeah. Yeah. perform. I didn't with me. Perform, with you. Like, do the things I can do, but yeah. you have no idea. And and that's another thing, you know, like you don't quite realise that people um, are different from you, you know, like this is a little bit stupid on, of my part, but not everybody can do what I can do and I, not, I can't do what you can do, you know, so it's very individual. But then there was an, um, another factor, a baby, yeah. a demanding baby each one of them had and myself as well yeah screaming uh, wanting to feed you know if the music is a little bit too loud really upset overstimulated so all these factors I didn't factor in and it flagged all this uh and so I felt oh my gosh I really have to readjust and I really have to just step back listen to all of this read and just take take it a little bit gentler if not a lot <laughs> and uh even musicality in terms of what I was offering it was and I realized it was a complete overwhelm so on the third lesson I talked to them after I spoke a lot I said we could do better and we could do slower we could do a lot less of that and I've explained so they were quite pleased and um, I think that was probably the first proper dance mom lesson because I really put my head and planning into it yeah. and just kind of allowed them to be themselves and myself to be a parent as well so it, it evolved from being a dance class to being more of a women's circle support group um sharing group and uh, sort of fitness toning and then dancing you know dancing involving your baby and we've run ever since uh, i've run ever since that day so it's more than seven years now apart from a break with covid but it's been the most rewarding time, actually. That's lovely, lovely moms, lovely friends. A lot of friends come out of that. Yeah. And lovely community because we do go um, to have social events like a meal with family members and, you know, somebody would cater for us. I call it a Porsche circle, but <laughs> it's just that um, dance moms are the best moms ever. So uh, it's the parents who have the same mentality who want a bit of time for themselves and a little bit of self-care as well. Yeah. You know, not to just don't want everything for the baby, which is a little bit shameful, I think, and look frowned upon in the society, you know, when you firstly become a mum, which I'm totally against. So you've built that yeah. support group. And, and can we talk a little bit more around community and yeah, sort of how you, so you've touched on that, how you've built that community. And you've always said to me that community is really important to you. How do you leverage or benefit from other communities when you've been building your businesses? I think uh, connection with people, like-minded people, um, whether they are freelancers or maybe they're wanting to be freelancers, they have ideas. It's really important because they carry certain energy and information and then it, it affects you. Uh, you affect them. You could influence and you could uh, ask questions. And I think I love working with women because we like to talk. 
we like to share and be generous about it as well. And um, one of the communities I'm a big fan of is um, our freelance moms. And I've been a part of them on and off for over seven years now, I think. So they definitely benefited my uh, growth um, one or another way. I, a lot of friends came out of it and a lot of prof professional connections. Some clients came out of it. For example, my class in Nelsie when I started uh, the class, before I started the class, I just went back to that community for a walk in uh, Clevedon. And one of the ladies was there and she was my neighbor, apparently. Not a close neighbor, but she's a neighbor. Okay. And she said, I used to be a dancer. Start it, start it, start it. And she was, her name is Amy. She's probably listening. And, <laughs> and she just kind of boosted me up. Yeah, because be fair, when you're a freelancer starting a new location, in my case, is what it means. It's a little bit nerve-wracking still because you're putting yourself out there. You um, obviously understand that there is a lot of other like-minded or niche businesses or people who offer businesses for years. Sometimes communities are clingy in terms of locations, you know, so you are new. You, you, and if there is somebody cheering for you, at least one person, definitely boost me up. I was like, that's enough. Yeah. I'm starting. She's signing up. And she did. And she's still there, you know. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure she's impressed. She's enjoying it. She's bringing her friends. And I love that. So I think community is a link between between families, between businesses, between, you know, countries and all of it. Communities are important. We, we, we are stronger together. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and, and you've spoken to me about at times when you are, you've said, I've actually given more than I've taken. So I'm giving energy and perhaps it's not always the, the most sensible commercial decision, but you get fulfillment in other ways. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? There, there, yeah, absolutely. There is a, a few jobs I still haven't gotten paid for <laughs> in my freelance life. And I think it's um, it's a little bit of the price you pay for, for choosing to be self-employed, for choosing to, to work on your terms. And it's obviously in the earlier stages of my career now, I would like to get paid. Yeah, and <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah, we all do, and it is important. And um, one of the um, one of the avenues I've taken with my kids is to offer uh, family friendly events, which I call Tiny Steps performances. There's a very minimum uh, pay for me as an organ as an organizer, but it was um, I made sure I paid a minimum for artists at least I baked cakes yeah I didn't often perform I would introduce it but it was an opportunity for um to give for the families like my myself because I think what happened is that I couldn't I wasn't accepted to come and watch all the shows I wanted with strapping baby right or I wasn't allowed you know, because of the noise or because she would make noise or there was a breastfeeding issue sometimes, you know, uh, which I'm, I'm hoping it's not an issue anymore so you can breastfeed anywhere. Yeah. But I strongly felt that actually that's not very nice. Equally, it's not very nice for a baby and a tired parent to be sitting for three hours or two and a half hours in this hot room, you know, with lights. And I love it, <laughs> but... What can I do better? Again, what can I do better to introduce something to young minds, to the families, kind of little touch, you know, little connection with culture, with dance, with um, narrative, the storyline. We, we, we worked on um, 
stories, but then we danced the stories. I've inv- invited other local artists as well to perform. Or we introduced, it, introduced like uh, historical figures like um, Carmen Miranda, you know, with a basket of fruit. Right. And I invited my friend from London to come and um, teach Latin American dances and a cucaracha and moves and everybody could engage, you know. It was it was mix and match, to be fair, but it was rewarding. Sometimes we had 300 people, but they all paid, you know, the family of four paid like 12 pounds. Yeah. And to organize all of that, I would probably charge, I would probably at the end of the day, I uh, would be like, oh, I'm 20 pounds in profit. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband would look at me and, and just shake his head <laughs> and just, just say, why are you doing this? So I, I, um, I think I stopped because I just got tired. I think it was quite a lot of work, prep work, organization, yeah. risk assessment, you know, all of these things you know, customer service as well and marketing. It's a lot of work behind the scene. I mean, it was a lovely idea. And I heard like yourself uh, so long. I was like, yeah. And I mean, I love the whole generation of interest as well and seeing those bright faces of toddlers, you know, because it was interactive at the end. They would jump and, and, you know, the page still exists, the Facebook and, uh, you know, the uh, Google and there's still lovely videos. And yes, it was great and fulfilling. But shortly after, yeah, <laughs> when energy goes, you like <laughs> exhausted my resources onto the next. Yeah. Let's go. Failures are fine. Failures are fine. You know, I'm a great believer to, to let go of things when I'm a pusher and a control freak, 100%. That's my personality. But I'm allowing myself to fail again and again and just deal with this. It's a process. And from that, other things are born like drop and dance, for example. You know, that's another stage of dance, which my business coach um, strongly believed, and it's her idea, which um, I'm pocketing now. (laughs) (laughs) But um, she has had a vision that actually dance moms are not a very good financial base because mothers are short on money, and um, they are too busy, too tired, uh, too disorganized, blah, blah, blah. There was all of those things, and which I totally fight because I'm like, no, 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 no. And it's no, no. worked for this many years. And it's worked for this many years. It wasn't profitable for many years. And if anything, now it's not that profitable as it was before COVID. But um, her point was correct. She said, moms who go, who are freer, with their time, who are back to work, can exercise and benefit from it right after drop-off yeah. from school. And to, to, to be able to access the dance class right after drop-off at 9.15 or 9.10 and dance for an hour, uh, the positivity of it, the, the physicality of it, whatever I bring to that class, and they can tick it off their list. They've exercised an hour you know, that, take that energy away, take, take, take that experience and then be done with this and then come back for more next week. So it is, it is a new class which started, what, three months ago? Okay. And um, still small numbers, but um, I'm only offering it in uh, Backwell uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, but it's, it's like... It's a way it's to cry. Exactly. Test how it works. Exactly. It's a pilot, yeah. Okay. And can we talk a bit more about um, this coaching side? And you yeah. sort of just dropped in there then about <laughs> ha- having the, having this business coach. So how did that come about? And 
what are they helping you with and how's your experience been? So the person I worked with uh, for uh, just under a year called Tammy and she, um, Axon, she's a lovely business strategist and um, I do recommend her. Okay. Um, she's tasked. I know she makes people cry. She's brutally honest. And um, sometimes that's what we need, though, because you can be so close. She's realistic. She's realistic. Yeah. In terms of so how I came about, we are uh, a friend of mine from freelance mom's community who I think I've met about seven years ago there. She's a photographer, Adele. And she photographed the tiny steps for me for dance moms. So that was another contact again from um, community and uh, being a part of community. So she worked with um, Tammy for a, over a year and I've, I've watched her grow and progress and I was quite impressed. I've had experience before with another lady and it was a negative experience. So right. I think there are a lot of people out there who would say they are coaches. They, they would probably train, of course they would, but then th there is just a lot of them who are not good. So my advice would be to find the one who you can observe for a while or her clients and then um, sort of see, is it the progression you want? Um, is that something which resonates with you? I wasn't sure about Tammy, to be fair. I definitely feared her, still fear her. She's a scary lady. I love her, but I, it's very stressful for me. She definitely, she, basically she's like my husband. Okay. But uh, <laughs> elaborate, <laughs> elaborate. <laughs> she's a woman, but she's like my husband because she, she, she would say everything he told me about five years ago or a year ago, and I would not listen to him. But when she would say it, I would obviously pay for services and then take her advice, which would totally uh, annoy, inf infuriate my husband. But I don't know what it is with me. Maybe it's just that mental state that uh, women are more intelligent I'm sorry but I think you know or maybe trust thing you know even though I should trust my husband or maybe it's just simply that his role is not a teaching or coach's role his role is to be my husband yes but he has that capacity to lead me and I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't take a free advice so it with Tanya I've I think I've learned value of time okay uh, the value of your time uh, my time how much it can input my the reality was I was hoping that I could provide more time dedicated to business. But in truth, I don't have that time. You know, I'm full-time parent. It's my first job. And I'm a full-time, you know, wife. So that would take me the most hours of the week anyway. You know, the kids, the house, the juggling, the clubs. Um, if I don't have a cleaner, that's on me. If I don't have, you know... If I can't be there, it's a all of these things. Every parent would, would understand. And then it's my business and the side of uh, things. So I thought I could work maybe 40 hours, 35, maybe 30. In reality, I could probably work 20, 25 hours a week if I'm really organized. And that doesn't mean, that means I don't go shopping. That means I don't go to my allotment. That means I don't walk my dog. That means I'm not going for a run. A sneaky, I was sneaky coffee. I'm really like three hours here, four hours there. And then there is delivery hours of the classes I teach. So it's just like dissecting a pig, you know? You just have to. 
this is this part of the body, this is that part, is very logical and that's not what I am. So she was she she's brilliant at that. Then we talk about money aspect and uh, money uh, mentality and what my worth is with my experience. Obviously, I've been trained, you know, in Russia, then I toured in China and Russia, then I went to university in America for dance, and then other extra trainings I've done and work and studies and teaching experiences. And so it's all, all of us, we have that, but then we forget uh, how much, or we don't know how much to that, that cost or how much to value. And so that was very good that she came on board and we sort of made, she asked me very good questions, which were like shocking question to answer, uh, you know, money questions which are not comfortable questions to talk about or how much do I want to make and um, you know realistically speaking how much do I think my hour cost and okay and you know it was it was great and then she fought me in a few months for you know for example I found a lady who would clean my house and she's a Ukrainian refugee so I'm being a Russian person as well I would like to help and uh, I would like a cleaner. She's great. Okay. <laughs> and, but I had to drive her home. And um, then, you know, when Tammy pinned me down with time, why can I do the task I did? And she will call you out on it, which is tough, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm driving the cleaner once a week. And, and she goes, okay, let's count how much that cost. And she would dissect all of this. You know, in the reality, I wouldn't save money paying this lady. I would lose money because I'm losing this much amount of time. So it's logic I'm lacking <laughs> or uh, financial, um, just being really mathematical about things, yeah. you know. And do you review sort of targets or objectives with your business coach? So you've had that awkward conversation at the outset around how much money do you want to or need to be making from your business do you then review how it's going yeah absolutely she's really good at that and I think it's um, another very important thing about coaches is or strategists or whatever whoever is accountability is what you lack as a uh, as a person who works for themselves because you might think that this task is really important and that task and and tasks always appear and they creep up on you. Oh, I haven't done this. And it doesn't stop because there is nobody else who's taking things off you unless you are outsourcing. But when there is that person who sets targets, comes and knocks at the door and says, have you done this? Or oh, it's time to do this. My session with you is next. She wouldn't do this, but at the back of your mind, yes, it would sit. And it would make me really stressed, I have to say. Because my personality, I'm like, oh yes, let's do that. Let's do, let's offer that workshop. And here I am, hundred miles ahead, offering another workshop, spending five, seven hours, even in, at night, you know, marketing it, wording it, you know, doing all of that stuff. And I forgot the campaign we've been writing about. And she gets really frustrated with me, and I understand that too because I would, you know, but that accounted, I wouldn't be frustrated with myself. Because I'm that kind of person, but when I remember, oh, Tammy's going to really be upset about this, yeah. I got to go and do this. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. I would not do this for my husband. It's weird, but it works. It yeah. works for me. It works for me. I think my target wasn't rich in terms of finances, 
this year. I'm on the break from Tammy for uh, um, three months now. I will see how, if I can manage. Uh, her goal now for me is to take more charge, okay, and to be more accountable for things. Uh, she developed a strategy for my business which works, and we know it works because I reached 50% of it on and off. It's 40% of target, but, for, you know, it depends week by week. At the end of the year, I will be able to calculate, but... So you've seen the financial benefit from 100%. And also I've seen the benefit in terms of my structure, how I work at home. What do I do? Uh, it, it affected all of my life. It affected, it even affected self-respect for what I'm doing. And um, the imposter syndrome thing as well. It was some, I'm working with a psychologist as well. Uh, weekly and was I found a right balance uh, Tammy would be bulldozing me and I call her bulldozer because her energy is a cue energy we're very similar in fact okay you know I if I looked at her if I look at her personality the way she leads is the way I lead my more capable dancers right definitely know how to do that but when it comes to me I'm mm, a little bit more uh, it's it's a strange thing and then uh, sometimes I would be quite overwhelmed with the whole reality that I haven't reached the target because for her, it's like black and white. You just sit down and you do it. There's no excuses. You know, it's done and then we move on. So for, for my, psycho my psychologist work differently, she would be a little bit more nurturing and understanding. And for me, it was a good balance. Yes. Okay. So I can cope. So now I have three months with uh, unfinished tasks when which I can... Progress yeah. and yeah. get through, and I don't think if I I don't think it's enough time because summer is coming. And to be fair, I my workload goes lower because I have to increase the childcare and the childcare cost a lot. Whether you know if there is sort of a project which pays well and I can outsource for childcare and it would worth it, or you know, yeah. me to to pay for that. It'll be brilliant. But for example, I'm offering a brand new two-day summer sizzles in summer for kids. Okay. And I was thinking, uh, I'm not going to take my kids to that because teaching your own kids is another question. It's another <laughs> subject. Um, but I'm, I'm having other teachers uh, in my workshop. So it's going to be exciting. Okay. And I'm thinking, actually, the cost of me producing the you know, offering this workshop also, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be theater, dance, vocals, acting, you know, games, and it's going to be amazing two days. Why are they going to miss out on this opportunity? I just give them kind of another Yes, exactly that. Okay. Logical, because otherwise I'll be stressed about them not focusing on others. So, um, so yeah, summer is tricky. Okay. Summer is tricky. <laughs> and just reflecting on everything we've been talking about, and you, You've said openly you're not afraid of failures. You're not afraid of hearing no. You just, you know, you give everything a good shot. What, what would be your key tips or what your one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's looking to go self-employed? It's a good question. One. <laughs> I don't know. You can have two or three if you like, but I <laughs> don't a lot. Thank you. Um, uh, I think being realistic is a really important one and counting you know, make sure you understand the risks and the time it would take and the money because um, going to be self-employed is, as much as it's scary, is also exciting. 
but also allow for failures to happen. Sometimes things just don't work. Do your research as well. Whatever you're doing to go self-employed, whether you are, you are employed and you want to be a consultant, um, whether you are opening, you know, a baby business because you became a mom, do your research. Ask questions before you put your foot in there. I think do your prep work. And if you're thinking one month is enough, double it. Okay. Just to be safe. Just because I'm all for failures, but I, I looking back, I wish I was a bit more like Tammy, less like me, you know, a bit more logical, uh, realistic and calculated in terms of um, risks and money investments. Because I think for me, all of this is part of a process and I deal with this very well, but it was a process to understand this and accept it. And I often say that a lot of people ask me a question, how do you do all this? And I hope my answer is not very well. And that's okay. I used to be a perfectionist in everything. And becoming a parent just shakes you up a bit and says, you know, if you're bublics and in public you can see, you know, I'm sorry, but you could see the spot. It's okay. Yeah. You know, if you don't deliver 100% every day, uh, but you're still doing a great job and it still feeds your soul and you know, you're getting a profit from it, it's great, you know. Just be kind to yourself as well. It's a lonely world. And find the community to be a part of. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the underpinning theme because all of the things you've touched on there, for you, have all come through that community. When you've, like, particularly thinking about the coach, you found your coach through the, through the community. Your coach is the one who's given you that accountability, has helped you improve your financial targets. And it sounds, and even growing your business and the evolution of your business has come from the community because of the exactly. your, your group, your uh, friends, connections who then wanted a different style of class. So I think, yeah, it's true. Be a part of something which will uh, bring you up rather than tear you down. A hundred percent. It doesn't mean that you will always like every single person in that community, but um, give as much as you take as well. Because um, even something silly like how can I create a, you know, schedule a post on this? Do you know, these are the things you can not waste time on researching. You can just put it out at your community, whatever that is, WhatsApp group or a Facebook page. And people are there with that knowledge to save you time and money. And it's invaluable. Yeah. So I think we've done it. I think we've yeah. got the one thing. The one thing is the community. Yeah, the community it is. It <laughs> brings money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, thank you, Svetlana. That has been um, really insightful, really open and honest. So thank you thank for you sharing your experiences with us. Um, I will leave a, com uh, a comment under the episode for some of your um, social media accounts so that people can have a look for some inspiration. Amazing. Thank you. And please leave a comment about the coaches I'm using or the communities if people can benefit from it. Awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. But I, I can recommend having a look at Svetlana's pages to either get you moving or give you some inspiration to the sorts of posts you can be doing through your own social media channels. So that'd be super. And in the meantime, I would say thank you for listening. Um if you've enjoyed the episode, please do rate the episode, give us a review, share with your friends. Um, it really helps to give us a boost and then keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you so much.